It's 11.14 p.m. Your innocent Google search for climbing training started two hours ago. And what started as a quick search to learn how to get better has turned into an odyssey of epic proportions. Because the first article you read seemed great, but it didn't agree with the next one. Or the next one. You're growing wary and confused. Every coach has a different name for everything. The terms are a labyrinth designed for despair. Power endurance, strength endurance, drag grip, crimp grip. I mean, what is all this shit? And should you start using a hangboard? Because no one seems to agree on that either. And somehow it seems your innocent desire to improve your training will require blood and sweat and doing something torturous every night of the week. And why are there so many ab workouts to do when you just wanted to go rock climbing anyway? It's madness pure madness and here you are spending time making 1000 little confusing decisions instead of getting anything done but perhaps there is another way if you're ready to stop the madness and get a training plan that actually works for you and your schedule then check out crush it there's one for boulders and one for sport climbers and these self-guided training plans allow you to tailor your training to your schedule and goals no madness required. Head on over to the show notes to learn more about the Crush It programs and start training today. Are you currently locked out of your house? Well, Gnarly Nutrition can help you with that, but they can help you get the most out of your athletic endeavors by providing you with high quality and tasty sports nutrition products. As someone who likes to do a lot of moving, having Gnarly Supplements to back me up is a pretty huge deal. When I'm eight days on and I'm trying to train for climbing after ski touring, Gnarly products like their pre-workout and creatine give me a little extra boost to keep me doing a reckless amount of physical activity. Gnarly is a proud sponsor of the Average Climber podcast. You can check out the wide range of Gnarly products over at gonarly.com. On today's episode, we are trying something new where instead of doing whatever we want, we ask you what you want. So we are diving into some questions that you had about planning for a climbing trip. We talk about anything from luggage to trip snacks to training. It's a very informative episode, lots of back and forth. We think you're really going to get a lot out of it, and you're definitely going to be more prepared for your next climbing trip. You're in for a trip, and you're listening to The Average Climber Podcast. I have a question for you. Very important. <gasps> oh, we always say it's important. It is. It's never important. You're okay. adding to your party nonsense facts that you can share. Yeah, so I can be fun at all the parties I don't get invited to. Yeah, yes. that's okay. So I'm sorry. Got I dark will real fast. Tell me your question. Okay, <laughs> so when you think about McDonald's and 
how you identify it when you go someplace what do you think of the gold the golden arches of course naturally right naturally giant golden arches you're like ahoy there is where my McFlurries are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes so did you know that there is one place in the united states that does not have the golden arches it's like a mcdonald's that somehow got out of the franchise wait oh just there's just no mcdonald's at all well no so because McDonald's is everywhere, there is a location in the state of Arizona that Whoa. does not have the Golden Arches because it doesn't vibe with the town. Can you really? guess where? Mm, Phoenix. Sedona. Ah, that they. Okay, honestly, I can't believe that there's there's a McDonald's in Sedona at all. But I actually I know same. But here's where it gets funny. So when it was going to be built people fought against the golden arches because they were like no it's not the sedona vibe it's gonna mesh mm, with pinkies up no mcdonald's no mcdonald's for us hippies so they compromised and the you want to know the color of the golden arches oh my gosh i have no idea what did they do turquoise turquoise so it's the only mcdonald's anywhere that has a different color arch because the city folk of Sedona fought the golden color. Do we think there are, are people who I'm just surprised that this hasn't become like the angel wings of Sedona where like you know like how in Nashville there's like all the angel wings and then everyone gets their like angel wing picture taken. Like do people do this, this with like the, underground with the, like, turquoise? I have my turquoise McDonald's picture. <laughs> maybe when McDonald's has its renaissance again one day that'll mm. be what happens. Yeah maybe. Oh so. my gosh. That is that is wild. Fun fact. I can't believe they bent to the whims of Sedona. I know. I'm surprised that the giant that is McDonald's was able to. They were like, yes, Sedona can control me because yeah. of all their vortex info. I thought they couldn't be chained, but they were like, okay, we'll compromise. That is, I, I can't make Fascinating. Whoa. Well, shall we get into today's topic? Because welcome to being average in a non-average pool anyway that's <laughs> you are you are now listening to the average climber podcast um i'm here with my lovely co-host caitlin caitlin you want to introduce yourself <laughs> no no <laughs> not today i do this every time i'm caitlin i'm a certified nutrition specialist and lauren is a trainer who drops things if you yeah i just dropped that. my phone but i need it to answer your questions because i'm opening my phone so i can answer your questions lauren, who are you I'm Lauren Abernathy. I'm a climbing coach and certified personal trainer, and I'm holding my phone that is no longer on the ground. <laughs> and we're going to answer your, you, Use your all. questions right now. So I'm really excited. Today we're talking about going on climbing trips, which is one of the great joys in a climber's life is going somewhere new and just touching trying out, touching different rocks from the normal <laughs> rocks you touch, right? New rocks. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. So I'm stoked. You all submitted some really awesome questions over on my Instagram page. So now I'm going to be sharing these questions. I am going to share them anonymously just because I didn't ask you if you weren't cool with me putting your Instagram handle all over the internet. So they will be anonymous, but you know who you are and we appreciate your questions. But yeah, today today we're just going to be digging into all things 
going on climbing trips. Caitlin, are you going on a climbing trip anytime soon? Anytime soon. Big trip, little trip? I go on frequent little trips on the weekends, and I honestly find those to be like a two-day prep still. And so my longer trips are quite the process. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why in us talking about this, we realized like, wow, this is a big topic. There's just so much. Yeah. Like, do you fly? Do you you drive? drive? Do you rent? So we are going to dig into that today because we got a lot of tips. I mean, Lauren, what trips do you have going on soon? Mm, Let's see. I don't have any. I mostly stay in local for the next little bit um, in terms of climbing trips, but I am planning to be in Lander, Wyoming in August. So I think that's my biggest like trip trip coming up this nice. year that I'm really stoked Are you on. Driving? Honestly, I've, yeah, I'll be driving and cool. I'll be there for, I will fortunately be there for a whole month, which is really, wow. really rad. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, it's kind of like not really a trip. It's more of a go live somewhere for a little bit. Yeah. But I live in Lander now for a month. Yeah. I live in Lander now. I'm going to be at the Lander bar eating their chicken wings. Go find Lauren. Oh my gosh. They're chicken wings. Y'all so good. Okay. Wow. But anyways, they're great. I also can't really eat anything else on the menu because I can't have gluten. So I'm always like, yeah, but the chicken wings though. Is it like that scenario when someone is like, wow, this one thing on the menu is so good. And in actuality, it's the only thing they can eat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I guess I, but everyone, I watch people eat the sandwiches and they seem delighted. (laughs) So I don't think the chicken wings are the only good thing. Lauren just doesn't know how delightful they are. Yeah. I just don't know, but I can see it on people's faces that they are enjoying their sandwiches. Excellent. So that's great, but sweet. Well, I'm just going to I'm going to go through these in order. You you all submitted some great questions. This is our first Q&A style episode. We're still in the early stages of this thing, so we're kind of playing with different stuff. So we'd love to hear your feedback on uh, if you're into it, if you're not. Um, but let's let's get into it with our our first question. So this individual asked, is it best to try and fly with snacks or find something that will work when you get there? So Caitlin, as our, our resident food expert snack expert (laughs) what do you what do you have to say I think it it depends so if you are someone who has dietary restrictions or unique needs or maybe you really don't know what's going to be there there's not a lot of information online about local convenience stores grocery stores food places in general you might want to bring food with you Mm -hmm. so I will often recommend my athletes bring things like protein powder if yeah. you can, maybe a greens powder. Maybe it's like your favorite snack that you know you won't be able to find there. So mm-hmm. it really depends. I am that crazy person who will bring, bring a luggage full of snacks. Yeah. And I don't necessarily encourage it all the time yeah. because <laughs> I know that I'm a unique person. <laughs> but I also think that it, it really just depends, you know, how long are you going to be there? What are the things that you know you won't have access to? And just keeping track of, you know, what those actual hopes are while you're there. Like if you know you won't be able to have some of your normal like recovery foods, maybe you want to fly with different yeah. snacks it's it's kind of a personal choice I would say Do I would agree thoughts? it kind of yeah. yeah I would say it really is going to depend on what is available where you're going um mm. for example I in January of 
2022, I went to El Salto, Mexico for three weeks, and I know that it's a pretty rural, remote town, and totally. that I have gluten sensitivity. And well, gluten? No, I can't have it. It's not a sensitivity. Can't have gluten. So Sweet, I was kind of no. kind of nervous that they just wouldn't have any gluten free options, which I was totally right about. So I'm really glad that I brought some gluten free pastas, and I also thought that I was not going to have access to a fridge. I ended up having refrigeration mm. access but i did end up bringing a bunch of cans of tuna and chicken but i was really glad i did that so those are the few things where you know i evaluated what was going to be there when i got there and i said you know what got to make sure i have some gluten-free stuff i also obviously brought some protein powder so i had some had my protein powder gluten-free stuff and some canned meats that i was going to be able to eat and then i figured the rest would be taken care of there it was a lot of food to bring but it was also three weeks so yeah. You know. How was the experience of packing that? Was it easy? Would you do it again? Uh, what would you change? Oh, hmm. well, okay. So this is so, <laughs> sometimes I think about, wow, if I didn't have Mike, what would happen to certain things? <laughs> Mike is really good at packing. I don't know how he does it. I watch him do it and then I try to replicate it. It doesn't make sense. He's just really good at making stuff fit. And I tried to pack myself and it just absolutely didn't work and then Mike Mike fixed it. So I don't think I don't think everyone is it's you think I'm exaggerating but like seriously you'd be like you're not fitting all that shit into the suitcase. You'd just be like no, we're not doing this and then but Mike did. So I would say I couldn't have personally done it. I probably mm-hmm. would have left some more things behind, but it was super worth it. I honestly ate all I like literally ate through all of it except for two cans of tuna or something. So okay. it was good plan tips for how you could maybe make some changes next time not necessarily with the content but how you pack it yeah so someone asked actually asks a packing efficiency question later on so save that knowledge because i sure as fuck won't be answering that question because i'll be like i don't know get a boyfriend okay well but that could actually (laughs) (laughs) get a person who can do it for you but maybe that's better about like ropes and yeah stuff so maybe yeah. on the nutrition side okay just right. quick yes instead of canned you could get packets of tuna yes i did want that i was at costco to buy oh, things shit. and they stopped yeah. having the freaking packets but they're Ugh, so much flatter costco i know but okay also, i love you costco well we i know no that. hate love you so much anyway <laughs> uh so okay so packets you could also get the little protein powder sample sizes yeah. from companies i also just put the protein powder in a sketchy looking bag yeah that's like what it's I not cocaine too. it's protein ha 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 <laughs> so it smells like vanilla don't snort it okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> don't even get me started on dry scooping Ooh, you. no emily no. i'm talking to you she's one of my athletes and i watch i know what you do it's a wild operation you got going on over there so much cringe i've oh had so many God. people be like doesn't that save time no, no not if you die just water you just put the water with the thing shake stop and go it. friggin We're stop like grandmas what's enough with the dry scooping <laughs> this is tiktok dry fault. scooping Quit dry scooping on my lawn okay <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so other than that I think that bringing uh, fruit leather is also really good and like super easy to pack. Just like flat flat snacks. Flat snacks, four days. Um, But yeah, those are just some some quick ideas. So I think we can move on. Sweet. No, that's a good point. Yeah, there are flat snacks out there. Stroop waffles, very flat. Okay. So Emily, who is the outdoor nutritionist who Caitlin and I know more personally, so I'm going to say her name out (laughs) loud. Um, But she asked when to stop climbing before going on a trip. And that's a really good question. Um, usually for my athletes, it depends on what you're going to do. So I would say if you're going to be on a trip for a pretty long time, like if you're, a, well, not, 
So I would say if you're going to be on a trip for five to seven days and you're going to be going pretty hard, I would give yourself a span of anywhere from three to four days of no climbing, no activity to just completely recover so that when you get Mm. into that trip, you can really be ready to go um, and have a lot of like spare energy for climbing. If it's a shorter weekend trip, you can probably err on the side of one to two days. Um, And it's something you can play with for sure. Another thing to keep in mind with this is the day of travel. Like usually if you're traveling all day and then you're climbing or traveling is going to take up time, your sleep schedule is probably going to get messed with. So I would highly recommend banking some extra recovery and some extra sleep and some extra being nice to your body so that you have like a good base of feeling good when you do have a day or so of travel that maybe your body's not going to get everything it needs. Caitlin, do you have anything to add to that or tips for like making travel days like less terrible (laughs) on your body? Because traveling can just, for whatever reason, sitting in a flying tin can or in a car is makes you feel horrible. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just want to say that I have literally never once thought about stopping training before a trip. (laughs) Caitlin. (laughs) But that's the thing. I don't, I actually don't train before I go on a trip just out of happenstance that I'm packing and trying or to configure. you mean like the day before you go on a trip or something well, like, like I'm packing for like two to three days before depending on the trip <laughs> this is true so Caitlin's like texting me about coming to Salt Lake for and a like, week Lauren how many like, pairs of Uggs can I bring yeah like what are we what's yeah I literally wrote out of like a buddy the elf <laughs> itinerary for I was like and on this day we're gonna build snowmen on this day we're gonna do this and it was really fun but it yes. was so helpful but <laughs> I I think just out of that necessity, it's like, it's not even in my mind that like, oh, I need to train. So maybe it's like a subconscious. You're like, duh, I need to pack and stuff. So there's no time for Yeah, so priorities. But I would say for travel days, kind of suss out the road that you're taking or even like your airports or however your mode of transport is going to be. Figure out the restaurants along the way, gas stations, break points, you know, rest areas. And then also just consider what you might want in general. There's really not anything wrong with having convenience foods. If you're like, oh, wow, we're on a 10 hour car ride and I brought nothing. If you're like, I don't know where to stop, go to a gas station, grab Mm -hmm. some goods and kind of just accept that your day is going to be a little bit off. But make sure you eat. That is so important, Mm -hmm. especially if you're planning on climbing the very next day you arrive. Yeah, definitely do that. And don't. Yeah, don't be like me on a few occasions where I'm like, I'm sure the plane will land on time and then I'll get breakfast and during my layover and then your layover gets decimated and then all of a sudden it's 5 p.m. and you haven't eaten. Or they're like, you're like, oh, they'll have peanuts on the plane, but somebody has a peanut allergy and you don't get your peanuts. Or you're like, oh, I'm sure they'll have a gluten-free snack option and then... Psych, the pretzels have gluten in them. You get pretzels or Cheez-Its. I'm like, y'all ain't got any almonds? Can't have some unsalted all. Nope. Okay. <laughs> guess I'll just starve. I need three ginger ales to make for up the, for this caloric deficit that I'm now experiencing. <laughs> more than that. So more than that. No doubt. Yeah. So very good tips. But yeah, and then just just get as much sleep as you can and like expect yeah. that that's gonna be a thing. Also, I'm a big fan of if you can just plan for better nights of something. Quick aside, something my other half and I used to do when we lived in like the New York City area and we'd drive up to Romney, New Hampshire. We used to, we would do the whole drive all night, Friday night, and then sleep shittily in a tent starting at one in the morning, but it just sucked. And this is kind of a wild way to operate. But instead, what we started doing to kind of just 
spend more time sleeping in a bed and blah, blah, blah. What we would do instead was stay the night at our own place on Friday night. Um, I would do perhaps the not best thing, which is take NyQuil um, at about 6 p.m. so I could go to bed. Um, I don't recommend doing this, but it is a thing I did. And then we'd wake up at like 4 in the morning and drive to Rumney. But I would get like more sleep that way, more sleep that's like comfortable and then just ended up being generally better rested for the weekend despite despite the fact that getting up at four in the morning kind of sucked but yeah yeah that worked better but yeah just like you're gonna need sleep so yeah Yeah. sweet cool a lot of extra questions we answered within that question question inception (laughs) sweet let's see i got another one it's more of a a phrase or a thought but i think i see what this individual is getting at so okay the week before nutrition training load, tr- nutrition tra- slash training load. So I think if I translated this into question format, what things do we want to kind of focus on the week before? And let's say we're going on like a five to 14 day trip for your climbing. Like the week before in terms of your nutrition, like what do you think you want to be focused on? Probably the, the same, same things as I would say most of the time, which yeah. is calories good recovery foods yeah. with carbs and protein mm-hmm. heavily emphasized don't forget about fats though yeah get your colors if you can yeah really it's i would say that's across the board mm-hmm. what i'd recommend for nutrition um, um all the time anyway yeah it's like you don't have to reinvent the week before i mean this is of course if you're training for some event that might change but just yeah. given the nature of going on a trip just make sure your your standard stuff is covered. Yeah. So. And just to add on to this, kind of on more of the training side, usually with my athletes, we will do usually just like more rest days. Like typically, you know, if you're doing three to four days of training a week, like the week before you go on a bigger trip, we maybe cut it down to two training days. Perhaps if you're in a power endurance phase, we might prioritize sneaking in like one more power endurance session just to give you that boost. And then usually, honestly... If you're that close to a trip, like we probably deprioritize strength training anyway, just because strength takes a really long time to build. So strength probably taken, probably taken the backseat. Do a couple of things that are going to make you feel confident. Like I would just focus on doing like one or two really the more climbing related types of training sessions before you head out on your trip. Uh, prioritize those, especially if you're like close to sending a gym project or something. If something's about to make you feel confident and and like you really completed the training cycle before you go on your trip, that's going to feel really good. So I would say prioritize that. And then just extra rest is going to be the move. But I think going back to what Caitlin said about nutrition, you know, maybe you're a little bit less active because you're taking more rest days to kind of taper off before that trip. But, you know, Caitlin, would you say still eat a decent amount just because you know I would imagine you're maybe less hungry if you're training less but you're still going to want to be eating sufficiently to because overall if you've just trained before a climbing trip your body has been undergoing like breakdown and the accumulation of training fatigue so these few days before your trip are really your time to give your body some rest and recovery before you get after it so yeah that's a really good point because we definitely don't want to cut back on calories before we leave on a trip if you enter your trip in a calorie deficit it's gonna be all tired yeah ain't no benefit but I definitely think too something I wanted to make note of there is that I have some athletes who will say like oh but I'm just like not hungry and one of the things that I think is part of being an intuitive athlete and that auto regulation if you will with your diet is that knowing you're gonna train 
you should probably take in a little bit more because sometimes you may just not be all that hungry. You may not have an appetite. And if you can still consistently fuel and get enough, that's going to be a really big asset to you, especially before you go on a trip. So kind of like what you said, even if you're in a little bit of like a lesser load week before you go to this trip, it's not really an opportunity to like cut back on your nutrition. No, yeah. Now's not the time. Like, no, yeah, no. So no. cool. All right. I think we can close on that one out changing pace a little bit going into the more of the logistical types of oh questions boy. this athlete asks are there things that the tsa does not fuck with <laughs> what should i leave at home and buy slash rent there to be fair this person did say it does not f with but i interpreted it, this in full cursory but mode. i know what they meant so yep. i said it okay yes i love this question yeah it's great i have a lot to say wow okay i feel like the only thing i can really i can really think of is the tsa is probably not gonna be into your stick clip there especially if you got like your big paintbrush situation so i would just say check that in your luggage um i check your stick clip or if it's big enough you might have to just check it as a separate item which sucks um my friend did that <laughs> he got in trouble for his stick clip and he had to pay like 70 dollars to check it as a special what? item because he had the big painter clip thing but that's really the only thing i can think of that the tsa might actually have problems with but i'm probably missing something so so yeah let's talk about crash oh pads. yeah you got the crash pad but see this why it's gonna be us we're climbing got boulder yeah so, the best right. of all worlds yep so i've actually flown with a lot of gear i've never flown with a rope i will say that but i've flown with quick draws the crash pad is a its own beast and certainly with like my i know my chalk bag has never actually been flagged but i know that they don't like the rock that i keep in it mm. so Okay. Lauren's looking at me like, what the fuck? No. Psycho keeps yeah. a rock in her chalk rock bag. Yes. No, I see. It keeps it broken up. Blah, blah, blah. No, I was no, like, wait, no. Wait, wait. Keeps it so the wind doesn't blow it over. Oh, boulders. Yep. Yes. Anyway, when you climb at Waco Tanks for four years, it's, uh, you got to learn the some, some strategies. Anyway, so, okay, crash pad. If you go to TSA and they look at you like, oh my God, this person, what are you doing trying to bring this mattress on the plane? They will likely ask you, is that a mattress? To which you need to respond, <laughs> which works. I've had like so far, I've tried this twice and both times have worked. So don't quote me if you're like, oh, Caitlin told me this will work and they charge me $75. <laughs> anyway, so disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer might not be uh, up to date info all the time. But so when they asked me if it was a mattress or sleeping pad, I said, no, it's a climbing backpack. And then when they realize how light it is, they're like, oh, no big deal. And they check it on like a piece of luggage. So super easy really mellow i have done the the approach where i've rented where i'm gonna be um but to be honest that also was such a logistical nightmare because the pads i rented <laughs> i'm not gonna say where because this is so awkward to if they ever listen um <laughs> but if you rent pads at some gyms it might be the seats that 
people use to try on their shoes like those really awkward like seats and then the pads don't have clips and actually as a quick aside who would do that who'd be like we'll just take this bench and rent it out and then charge me a hundred dollars for three pads it was such bullshit anyway the pad i used didn't have clips on it so the guy was like oh well you can just use a quick draw and i was like well we're going bouldering (laughs) and then but then i don't have quick draw no but then the guy said to my friend he goes oh well then you can just use like a grigri or something and she goes no no bouldering trip he's like you don't have one they're so useful we're like bouldering oh my trip, god you twat anyway <laughs> okay <laughs> that's ridiculous we were so annoyed anyway but we also had to drive 45 minutes outside of the way like our normal route to get to the crag and i was like oh my god it just it would have been easier to bring our own pads but I've had a lot of experience with with those and it's just, it depends. I haven't really, I would say I haven't ever tried to rent a rope or draws. I don't know if that's really a thing. Just because it's safety equipment. Yeah. That's the other thing I wouldn't really. Flying with draws though. I know they checked my luggage. They didn't like those in the luggage, but when I brought them on the plane, it was okay. The only time I've ever had an issue with someone not liking my rope or quick draws in my bag was in New Jersey. (laughs) This is really funny. So I have like my rope and quick draws in my carry on because it fits. And I wanted to have my rope and draws with me in case something happened to my check luggage, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, they, they look at my backpack and they're just kind of like poking it and they're like, can you pull your food out? And I was like, (laughs) my metal, what are you talking about? And they were like, your food. And I was like, I have a couple of granola bars in like the top pack. He's, he's like, but there's all this food in here, (laughs) but he was like, it was the rope. And I was like, Oh, it's my not noodles food. in my bag. Anyways, they like open it and then they just like keep pulling stuff out like it's Mary Poppins. <laughs> they just like unpack the whole fucking thing. And I was like, oh God, God, New Jersey. And then they're like, what are these? And I was like, they're quick draws for rock climbing. And then he like opens and then the rope bags like the ropes like in a bag. And then he like opens the rope bag and then he goes to like pull the middle of the rope. And Mike and I just go, no, 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 no. <laughs> and he was like, what? Oh, we were like, you can't pull the middle of the rope. It messes it up. And he was like, what? And we were like, yeah, it's not food. It's a rope. Can we go now? It was very ridiculous. But I've never had any oh. other issues that way. But yeah, people in New Jersey are like, what's a rock? So it was, yeah. it was a whole thing. But yeah, I would say for the most part, it's really not that hard to travel with climbing equipment. So those are the only, I feel like stick clips are the only. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's a challenge depending on where you are. I uh, yeah. would be curious to hear people's you can't get an actual success trouble. and horror stories. Yeah. yeah. Also, I my chalk bucket has a button on it that says <laughs> not cocaine, which is probably not a good idea, but yeah, I have I not like, gotten in trouble for it. So, yeah. we're, so far, we've so been good, good so far, um, but if they tried it, they would realize it's very not. disappointing they would be like well, i don't know they would be disappointed because they'd be like i have chalk dust in my nose now oh so, yeah nobody needs that much magnesium in one no nope. you can't dry scoop sniff. magnesium either people so <laughs> all right should we move on moving on yeah to we the probably next, should <laughs> yeah next question like they just use this to tell their travel horror stories this wasn't helpful at all <laughs> <laughs> okay this is a good question. This one's a little, this one's on the more serious side. And I think this is a very important one to answer. So this athlete asks how to mentally deal with a new area and how grades feel. 
Ooh. Yeah, and I think this this will this one definitely relates to our transitioning to outdoor climbing episodes, so definitely give that one a listen, but I think it's so important to remember that grades are very subjective and the people that are giving the climbs in your area grades are likely people that have been developing there for a while. Everyone that's likely voting on what the yeah. grade is or contributing to that. They are used to the style of climbing already. So to you, if it's a new area and you are not like tuned in with the style of climbing, it might feel a lot harder based on your background and your experience. So, you know, I could, I could talk all day about this, honestly, but just remember that probably the point of you going there was for you to learn something new and to get something new out of it. So if the grades feel very different from what you've experienced at a more local crag or something that's maybe easier to mimic in the gym that that's okay and you're going to learn something from it so that's an important thing to know another thing is if you're going to be there for a little bit if you're going to be there for a few days or a week it's very likely that day one is going to feel very different from your final day on the trip um yep. super quick aside i wrote a blog post about this um josh right did i show need notes link? show notes that needs to go in the show notes thank you sorry y'all this is like i gotta remember if i don't tell someone it's not gonna happen um yeah. but i did write a blog post about this where it was a trip to lander once and i swear my first day back out i could not climb 510 like things that were warm-ups for me were making no sense i couldn't remember <laughs> how to read the rock like nothing was happening yeah. the first three days were extremely rough and i was there for two weeks fortunately so i did have time to get used to it by the end of the trip i had my best trip ever and i sent multiple 512s in the span of two days and i had sent my hardest Sick. route yet there too so it was sweet um nice. but yeah but the first few days of the trip you'd be like ha it's this girl's first day rock climbing like i just couldn't <laughs> do anything so that'll happen and i just Things that are important to remember. Um, Yeah. Caitlin, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I think in my experience too, like you said, Lauren, it it takes me like two to three days to honestly get used to. It can take more than that if a place is particularly weird. Like when I was in Mexico, I think it took me two weeks to get it. Yeah. And still like still didn't totally get it. It can just take some time. Well, for example, like when we go to Bishop, the buttermilks feel just so hard initially and then because i started climbing in waco tanks when we go to the happies and sads i'm like oh my god it's it's like the same it's not the same sport it's different well the the happies and the sads are are very similar to waco Mm -hmm. which is really fun that is nice and i'm like yes i go to a different place and i get it but it's a lot of the areas are just so different and giving yourself time to get used to that also climbing is subjective yeah what even are grades like yeah we could hash this out for a long time yeah, we could but all just like argue and shake our fists yeah at each i guarantee other, that the six foot whatever ape index man did not know what my body type was gonna be and right. didn't, didn't put up you know fa the climb thinking oh this five foot three girl yeah, is gonna touch it it's at gonna some feel point. different yeah, yeah everybody's so different you're a snowflake Hashtag last episode, episode four. We don't know. Look it up. One of the episodes. (laughs) Look up the average snowflake episode. You got this. Five. Our producer says five. It's five. Thank you, Josh. Yes. So in any case, your experience is normal. Maybe everyone else in your group has like, your experience is going to be different than everyone else's. But literally every rock climber on earth that goes to a new place goes there and feels like it's weird sometimes so you're not alone you're having a very normal experience and you can still learn a lot from it and it's okay if the grades feel 
different than you imagined they would. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I validate that. (laughs) Stamp of approval. Okay. This is a nutrition one. A lot of you all asked for food ideas. So this this individual said, I really need help with quick breakfast ideas. It always takes us way too long to get out of camp in the morning. What can we do? Oh, I feel that pain. I think if my other half, Ryan, is listening, he's just like, please, someone tell everyone we go camping with because <laughs> it's like literally such a hassle to get us all to the crag anyway uh i i think choosing things that of course are easy for you but more importantly something you'll like but i really like quick oatmeal packets mm-hmm. uh maybe you do like pre-made waffles to be honest yeah eat those hard-boiled eggs doesn't have to be breakfast foods kind of the goal i'm getting at here is like choose something that you can either quickly boil water Mm -hmm. and throw into or just something you can quickly like put together so i i've gone to a bunch of trips with people who will do a lot of egg things and put it in a burrito real quick eggs are so annoying to clean off i personally agree i i would rather do hard-boiled eggs yeah i think Camping with eggs is like a, I'm just camping for recreation, not for climbing. <laughs> so. It's like a luxury item. Yeah, yeah. Like, it I don't want to scrub eggs when it's cold in the morning. No. I hate that. Definitely not. Yeah. So I think also snacks can go a really long way too. Like there's literally no rule that says like, okay, hey, your Pop-Tart, your banana, and your nuts and... I don't know what else. Yeah. Ooh, I got I got a couple of ideas. I just yeah, let's of. hear it. Okay. You bring a pre-made protein shake. Hell yeah. You put, do a peanut butter and jelly bagel. Yeah, there you go. Really fast and easy. You can even eat it in the car on the way if you super want to get out there. Other idea I had, something that's beautiful is pre-made taco stuff. And this one would be kind oh. of a maybe, maybe a two, a two disher, if you will, two but tacos dishers. are handheld, so that can mitigate any needing to do of dishes for your, because you're just going to eat it with your hands. But you could have one skillet that's got heating up whatever taco stuff you have brought, so maybe pre-make some taco fillings, pork, beef, chicken, sofritas, what have you. Do that in one thing, and then heat up your tortillas in another, and then you just put the taco stuff in a thing, breakfast tortillas, and then you only have like... And the top, the tortilla pan, are you really going to clean that on the camping trip? Nothing's going to be in it. So there's my other idea. I have also made burritos ahead of time. Ooh, that's a good one. Three or four years ago, the last time we were at Bishop before sadness happened. (laughs) (laughs) We canceled our last Bishop trip because of lockdown. So that's just... So the time before that, though, we brought burritos that we made ahead of time and we froze them all. And then while we were on the trip, we ended up just kind of like throwing them in a pan for Mm -hmm. a little bit and like doing each side a little toasty. Yeah. And then that worked out really well. But there it definitely depends if you're going to be leaving in the morning from your house, if Mm -hmm. you're camping, if you're going to somehow go out beforehand it just depends, but I think quick, easy, convenient, whatever is just going to be simple for you to pull together, go for that. Yeah. Another idea that sometimes I do is I'll make, pre- we'll pre-make overnight oats mm, with that's a great steel idea. cut oats. 
Um, as an aside, I fucking hate oatmeal, and when we do this, I truly loathe it. But it is something that you can I do. I watched Lauren detest her oats, eating it at camp with faces, and her other half was like, "You have to eat this." Yeah, I'm I'm the worst because everything that's convenient and fast, I'm like, I don't like. It. I like long drawn out meals. Yeah, because, or I mean, I think I could probably just like heat something up that's just normal food. I've done breakfast spaghetti a lot, but in any yeah, case, totally. But I mean, I don't think uh, oatmeal is good. Deal cut oats are good, and also if you need to make it more good, put chocolate chips in it. That would help. Oh yeah. If I put more chocolate in it, I think it could be better. Chocolate makes everything better. So hopefully those are some easier breakfast ideas. But I think if you can pre-make it at home and make it a situation where you heat it up, that's kind of a a key thing. Winners all around. Yes. Okay. Let's see. Um. Ooh. Okay. Another great question. That yeah. So there's there's two kind of that are related. So I'll probably just do both. Um. How to assess how much rest when it's a short two to three day trip. And then a follow-up question to this that another athlete asked is, what's the perfect length trip? Five days feels too short to take a rest day and too long not to. So these are great questions. I'll start with the two to three day trip and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. (laughs) So on a two to three day trip, here's the thing. If you're going to try to send something, you know, if you're trying to send something limit level in three days, and you go really hard. Maybe you're trying to do like a project in a weekend or whatever, um, or you're trying to send something that's super hard. You might not be able to go three days on with that. So you might want to climb day one, rest day two, climb day three. That's what I did to send my first 512. And was it very hard to do a three-day climbing trip where I took a rest day one of the days? Yeah. But am I glad I did it because I sent the thing and it worked out and that was my goal for the weekend? Yeah. So I wouldn't have done it any other way, but that's one thing. So if you really care about sending something super hard, um, you know, you might have to take a rest day in between. If you're doing a two day trip, um, I would say if you're taking, if you're going two days in a row, like a weekend trip to the crag, climb two days in a row. Um, yeah, just do it. It's fine. And then if you're, and if you're taking a three-day weekend and you just want to climb a lot and maybe you don't care too much about su- being super recovered to send something that's really hard for you, you can probably just climb three days on, and that's fine. Moving on to the next question, what's the perfect length climbing trip? Five days feels too short to take a rest day and too long not to. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, uh, like, annoyingly enough, part of me is kind of like the longer the better just because you're going to be able to get used to the style. But obviously, I think we all can get behind that. So that's not super helpful. But I would say a seven-day trip is going to be pretty good. Um, and you can kind of go two days on, one day off and just kind of like play it out and see how it goes. It really depends on how much the trip is about getting on a bunch of rock climbs or how much the trip is about, I would like to send rock climbs. So if mm. you care about sending a lot of rock climbs, you might need to be a little bit more judicious about taking rest days so that you're fresh enough to do them. Um, just yeah. another quick aside with this. I'm a big fan of figure out the beta on one day and then do some, maybe like day one, figure out the beta for some climbs or one climb. Day two, figure out the beta for a different climb or another climb. Day three, take a rest. And then that recovered day, pick one of those to go send when you're fresher. So there's a lot you can do here, but yeah, I don't know what the perfect length for a climbing trip is. It's really hard. Personally, I have never taken a trip that's longer than a week. Okay. So I feel that I could comment on that. Yes, add. So... I've in the past what I'll do is climb pretty hard for the first couple of days and 
only because I just want to figure out the rock. I want to, mm-hmm. I'm really excited. So I'm just throwing myself aimlessly <laughs> at a lot of things. And I have ideas in mind of what I'd like to get to later in the week, but I kind of want to just like play, have fun and figure out what else I might want to project mm-hmm. for yeah. the rest of the time. Yep. And then usually day three is either a rest day or it might be like very light movement day where I get on things well below below my yeah. upper limit. And then maybe my last two to three days are going to be like project Try to mode. rack the things up. Yeah, because usually I would, I would actually say most of my trips, my last day is my send day. Yeah. So the pressure's on. You know how the rock works now. Sussed out beta. And I've I've rested a bit. And even, I mean, ultimately, you just listen, right? Mentally in the game more on your last day. Yeah. And you can take half days off. You can, you know, if if your body's really feeling rough, you could be like, you know, might need a little more. And Mm -hmm. I know it's disappointing to take a rest when you are on a trip. Like we went to Waco this past January. It was a four day trip. I got injured on day one, which sucked, but ultimately I still enjoyed going because I was able to kind of get an idea of like, okay, next time I come back, here's what I'd hope to do differently. And also here's what I'd like to work towards. So it's not like all hope is lost if you aren't climbing all day, every day, the entire five day trip. It just depends on you and your goals usually wherever you are it's probably like just nice to go be outside i will say yeah before we um okay two things one if you are going on a seven day trip i think three days on rest day three days on seems pretty solid um and then second thing has now escaped me so oh <clears throat> it's about resting rest days if you are going to the crag and it's a rest day do not bring your shoes <laughs> Don't do it. Don't bring your chalk. Don't, don't bring it. Bring If it. you're belaying, bring your stuff to belay. But if you're actually trying to take a rest day and take this from someone who knows that you need to take rest days and is pretty good at taking rest days. Like there were days, there's going to be some days where you'll be, you'll say, I'm resting today. And, uh, and then someone will get on a climb that looks fun. And all of a sudden you've completely blown your rest day and worn yourself out. And now you've screwed yourself out of a rest day because you brought your shoes. So don't bring them if you're serious about taking a rest day because you will rock yep. climb because it's fun. I know what you're going to do. You'll be like, oh, they're on the climb. Oh, I want to touch. get the draws down from that? So, yeah. All right. Should we take a, take a little break? Yep. I know everybody has lots of good questions with preparing for trips, but in talking about how trips can kind of go wrong, we had a couple couple we've, thoughts about some, some nightmares. We've got some horror stories, some things that we have, maybe, maybe hor- well, I don't know what your story is, but maybe Mine horror is a, a strong horror story. word, but my, well, yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll go real quick. Uh, I was in Bishop for four days and woke up one morning feeling like man my lips are so swollen and turns out I got a severe sunburn on my lips and they swelled up like 
I it no, looked like I had bad filler you have done. To sunscreen your lips. Yeah, everyone. high Their altitude. Too. The high Sierras are no joke. And the worst part was, they were huge, super swollen, but also then they just like instantly blistered and started to crack. It was. Ow. An absolute nightmare. That sounds awful. I feel like that, yeah. What's yours, Lauren? Mine was, okay, I just didn't know how to camp in college. I think this was my <laughs> first trip to the Red River Gorge ever. And it was November, so it was really cold. Oh, no. I had no money, so I didn't own a tent. All I had was a hammock. And it was no. less than 30 degrees overnight. No. Also, being the genius that I was, I didn't have anything to put under the hammock. So it's literally me and my hammock and my sleeping bag and oh sub God. 30 temperatures and I, or sub whatever. I'm being dramatic, but you know what I mean? It was so cold. And then my friends felt so bad for me that they invited me into their very tiny two person tent. And then it was like me and two other gals just shoved and my shoulders felt horrible the next day because literally i was like sleeping like and a stressed out penguin like it was just yeah <laughs> i made that mistake before too and i had to wear someone else's socks to stay warm because oh who gosh. knew arizona gets cold so. yeah check the weather and also just i don't know i don't know what my solution would have been i could have no our our rec center had things i could have borrowed but yeah it was wildly silly and i was cold as shit and it was not great so no repeats come prepared or be cold be prepared or be square and be, cold yep wow we we have no good quip for this we're real <laughs> sorry um and and now back, back to, to the, the show, show. all right Right, let's finish out this episode with our last couple of questions. You asked so many. I think we, we're getting to most of them. I don't think we'll ever be able to get to all of them, but thank you. Thank you again for submitting so many good questions. It's been, it's been fun answering them, but let's get back into it. So this athlete asks if we have any tips to pack gear efficiently. So we alluded to having tips. Um, I have already admitted that I will not be the one helping you with this. So Caitlin, what you got? <laughs> As you were reading it, I was like, oh, can't wait to hear what Lauren says. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be like, get your boyfriend out of it. <laughs> oh, my God. I, yeah, that's, uh, I rarely pack our truck for trips. <laughs> so. Ooh. Two empowered female business owners admit <laughs> to not doing certain things. I pack the food and that's that's it. But honestly, I, I can tell you kind of like what we do for our process. So we, depending on if you're, I mean. Is this more a road trip, road trip mode? Okay, yeah. I feel like we got to do road trip and then plane mode. Okay, well. I can't speak to plane mode because I have done that more so in the last year than I have ever. So when I have flown, I I actually didn't want to pay the $30 to check a bag. So I was really conscientious about how I did this. And I did end up, the one caveat there is that I did end up buying a new bag to travel with. And it's... I'm looking at it. It's a it's a North Face duffel that looks like it can definitely be packed efficiently. Yeah, and it's it's a 
it can be a backpack. So I knew that I was going to be going to Seattle and then I was going to be going to Leavenworth. And I knew that when we came back to Seattle, we were going to walk around a lot. So I brought a lot of stuff with me actually. And I had stuff sacks that I ended up putting my clothing in and I wore long johns as PJs too. I know that this is not gear packing, but I found this to be very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) So, but other than that, I, I did rent a pad there And then for my other gear, like climbing stuff and chalk, I ended up actually not bringing my whole chalk bag. I brought a small one that I would bring Mm. sport climbing. I only brought one pair of shoes and I really didn't want to, but I researched shoes or normal shoes, both actually. And I did a lot of research on the rock type and I tried to figure out which of my shoes would be best. And I went back and forth, wavered a bit and ended up deciding on those but I honestly I've I think the only times I've ever truly flown to go sport climbing my gear was borrowed from a friend or I was meeting up with a friend so that felt actually a little bit easier for some reason yeah interesting yeah I would say like okay when it comes to gear I think I have like two quick tips for making stuff fit better one this is my one thing I know if you're bringing a sleeping bag, put it at the bottom. Put squishy stuff mm. at the bottom because it's going to get packed down as you put more things on top of it. Um, or you can put it in the top. But don't like put don't put the sleeping bag in its container, in its stuff it's sack. <laughs> it's, it's bag container. But yeah, don't put that in there. Wait, you're putting a bag in a different container. Interesting. <laughs> Things to think about. Driving on the parkway. Anyways, so you put the bag at the bottom or just like make it so you can squish it and don't put it in there. So if there's any like external packaging of your things if it's just wow what's the purpose of this thing to keep this thing inside of it maybe we don't need this extra thing in the suitcase so just remove anything that actually isn't necessary and then i don't know if you can shove like stuff into your shoes to fill the empty space in your shoes like sometimes i'll put like like if i'm packing socks like i mean it's kind of gross because the inside of my shoes aren't great but if or if it's like an outerwear thing i don't care if it gets like a little shoe smelly and like you might be going to spend a lot of time outside anyway i'll like shove t-shirts or like base layers or something Mm. into my shoes to take up that space but yeah well i guess so you mentioned tent camping but i can also talk on truck camping because that's how i camp yes And I find that I, (laughs) my other half will scold me and be like, she brings such a friggin' yard sale every time we go anywhere, which is accurate, but I need things. We got, we gotta be, okay. It's either like, I'm going to overpack and I'm going to be warm or I'm going to underpack and you're going to hear about me being cold and you can pick. There's no winning. There's no winning. (laughs) Um, and deal with it. Anyway. So I, I will often I mean, the crash pads take up a lot of space in the back of the truck, but then we'll also bring a camp box. And that's been really, really critical for us because it's so easy to have on hand and we Mm -hmm. slide it because we have a platform in the back of our truck that we sleep on. And then underneath it is where we put all of our like chairs for camp, our cooking supplies, but then also that camp box too. So we get like one of those really like not tall plastic bins from Target and we put a lot of our meal ingredients, snacks, 
backup meals, quick grab items. That's yeah. so critical for I us. I will piggyback off of this. When we are like weekend tripping or going somewhere in a car, we have two boxes, one that's like camping gear and one that is our food box. Mm. And they both stay packed all the time and ready to go. They've got like paper towels, blah, nice. blah, blah. Make yourself a camp box, pack it one time and then be done with it. You'll save so much time. Totally. Could not agree more. Sweet. Okay. There's some good practical travel packing tips you found that helpful or just find someone who's better at packing yeah but also that's another legitimate option just have (laughs) a friend that likes doing that there's an if you have an engineer friend they like playing tetris in the car it's their favorite thing they like packing the car mike and i fight over who gets to pack the car I do like doing that. You got to put the, th- but I'm not. Maybe you could coerce them by being like, I bet you can't make this. I bet you can't efficient. make this. Fi- <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's brilliant. That is the key phrase. <laughs> All right. Let's close it out with the last question, which I think is a really good question. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to answer this one um, because I think it's a really, a really important thing to talk about. So this athlete asked, is it genuinely worth it to go on climbing trips if I don't climb very hard grades oh my god hell yeah yeah. how else are you gonna get better at climbing yeah oh my gosh and i I will say you know a couple things to keep in mind if you're newer to outdoor climbing or if you feel like you don't climb like the grades that are available in the area i would pick your climbing trips based on which places are going to have terrain that you can get on comfortably and learn stuff on don't go to yosemite first (laughs) maybe go to joe's valley first yeah check out the grades that are going to be available to you and you know use your resources but absolutely like i would say some people literally learn to rock climb just by going outside so this idea that you have to like learn everything in the gym and spend a year in the gym before you can go outside and all this stuff completely does not make sense before there were gyms people just climbed outside and they learned out there and that was fine. So there's no like minimum grade you need to climb to go on a trip. Um, I will say like the more experience you have with climbing and you know, the better suited the area is to your experience level, the more fun you're going to have on the trip and the more you'll be able to climb. So choose your locations wisely, but no, I think, yeah, that's, that's definitely my piece on that. Yeah. And plus two, I think going outside gives you an opportunity to really figure out your future projects or goals to work towards or just and expand your horizons of what yeah. you even think is possible for climbing outside yeah and, and help you understand what you might like because I know when I first started climbing it was like the classic question like what's your major it's like <laughs> you know when you go to college and that's like the opening question it's like oh what's your type of style and favorite where have you run-? climbed yeah I think it's helpful to build that information and and just understand like what do I really like what what could I improve upon you know it's it I really think that that is a really fun part of climbing and I think yeah going outside is just such a a wonderful part of the sport yeah completely agree yeah I remember like I can think of two different situations where I just saw women climbing harder than I'd ever seen women climb like literally I think I saw a woman on an 11B and in the gym, I'd never had known a single person that climbed 511 in the gym. So seeing someone outdoors doing this, I was like, she's a goddess. <laughs> like, whoa. And I mean, she was yeah. a very strong climber and I'm not like diminishing her accomplishments or anything, but like, 
there's actually a lot of women that climb 5'11". I just hadn't experienced it before. So like, it's definitely an opportunity to have your horizons expanded and see what... Do you... Question for you. Do you feel like seeing people who were more like you made it something that you wanted to aspire to totally yeah that that's a whole topic but yeah representation matters weird um but um i i definitely felt the same and i i actually follow very few uh male athletes if i'm being honest i follow a few but i i don't find it to be for me, the same type of inspiration yeah. I'm looking for. I value athletes, absolutely. But for me, seeing someone out there who is 5'3 on a good day and strong and has worked really hard, it, it puts it into perspective for me. That's like, yeah. okay, yeah, I, I see you. You see me. We, you know, yeah, we like can, I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it's it's I just can relate to your experience better. Yeah, it's just like getting mansplained on beta that it's like oh, I'm supposed to be a tall hook, and you're like, well, yeah, if your My legs don't go that far, though. Yeah, I'm like, thanks a lot, but it's it's <laughs> so just helpful. <laughs> like I, I absolutely and I I do love me a good beta spray when it's warranted, but also it's it's important to see other people out at the crag who, you know, are they understand beyond beta this is a very like touch and go subject but seeing people who can understand and relate to you a little bit more makes it just feel like a better space and more inspiring space plus you might make new friends out at the crag and that's really fun i think that's one of my favorite things about climbing is meeting new people when i'm out there and just having good crag friendship days so in short absolutely Find a trip to go on and get outside. Have a friggin' and have blast. so much fun and drink beers at the campfire and do all the things and, and eat the pizza that inevitably is at whatever pizza. There's always a pizza shop at every climbing <laughs> area. Have you noticed this? I'm like, oh, yeah, and then there's the pizza shop everywhere. But when there's not a pizza shop, I'm like, where the hell is the pizza? Yeah, and then I'm always like, it's a climbing area. Aren't we trendy now? Where's the gluten-free pizza? And then sometimes <laughs> I just eat it anyway. But anyways... There will probably be a pizza shop wherever you go if I had to guess because there's always a pizza shop. So I think and I think that closes out our first our first Q&A episode. Um, we hope you enjoyed that. I loved answering your questions. You all asked really good questions. And I think we'll likely be doing more episodes like this in the future, especially for our patreon members so if you want to learn a little bit more about supporting this show listen to the outro check out don't skip it this time (laughs) listen to the outro and check out our show notes for more information it's been great thank you for the questions and until next time you're all average keep it average Lauren here. We hope you're gearing up for some fun summer adventures. We sure are, and we're excited to tell you about them, especially if your summer adventures involve the Climbers Festival in Lander, Wyoming this July. Caitlin and I are excited to announce that we are hosting a free clinic during the Climbers Fest this year. We'll be teaching you the basic principles of climbing training and sports nutrition in a small group setting. Check the link in the show notes to grab your ICF ticket and get registered. 
And speaking of nutrition, Caitlin has a pretty exciting announcement for you as well. Her self-paced nutrition course, Empowered, is finally here. If you're ready to learn the basics of nutrition and how to apply them to your athletic pursuits, this is the course for you. Check the link in our show notes to grab the course. Want to learn how you can improve your training? Then have I got a quiz for you. Get ready to find out your climbing theme song and learn a thing or two that will help you improve your climbing. Tap the link in our show notes to get started. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Good Spray Coaching and Caitlin on her Instagram over at Dirtbag Nutritionist. This show is produced by Josh Hafley with our favorite furry production assistant, Stubby the Corgi. The music for this episode was created by Devin Dabney of the American Climbing Project. Make sure to check out his podcast if you haven't already. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you will introspect. The Average Climber podcast is a part of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugToneAudio.com or at PlugToneAudio on Instagram to learn more about other great shows on the network. See you next time, and until then, keep it average.